Where am I? In the village. What do you want? Information. Whose side are you on? That would be telling. We want information. 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 You won't get it. By hook or by crook, we will. Who are you? The new number two. Who is number one? You are number six. I am not a number. I am a free man. <laughs> hey, folks, welcome to Ray Guns and Go-Go Boots. I'm Rick, and with me tonight is Rich. Hey, dude. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> That's how I am. Fuck it. Anyway, I'm caffeinated and uh, and a little a little bit uh, chomping at the bit to get to this show. This was this was a far far and away better experience than our last one. That's for sure. I am well, still stunned by what a positive experience this has been. I I can't help but feel that there might be some prisoner fans out there who are like, oh, thank God they liked it. Um, cause I bloody loved this show. I, I enjoyed it. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I won't, I won't jump to the end, but yes, I, for the most part, really, really enjoyed this one. Certainly better than any episode of Lost in Space. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's where I am with it. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. As a sort of, just a quick roundup, we have. Number he's never really named. He's called number nope. six, but or he's referred to sometimes as the man. Um, I've seen that in in like web pages about him and stuff like that. Um, he res- we see him in the the opening credits basically explain all the backstory you need to know. He's resigned from his job about something he's really not happy about, and yeah. kind of finding out why he resigned is the point of the whole series. So that they're not going to tell you that in the opening credits. We see him resign, he goes to his house, starts packing his bags to leave, and then gas comes in through the the front door, he passes out, wakes up in the village, where he's held captive by this unknown organisation, where everybody's given a number, he's number six, it's run Mm -hmm. by number two, we don't know who number one is, and every time he tries to escape, a large bubble comes and smothers him, (laughs) and he wakes up back in bed again. And every week is basically his attempt to escape, their attempt to get the information out of him, and basically everybody failing. Yeah. Yeah, I was, well, uh, this, the show is uh, from 1967, uh, starring, written by, and a lot of it directed by Patrick McGowan. Uh, there are plenty of people who believe that uh number six is actually what's the guy's name from danger man drake somebody drake was it alex drake uh uh, hang on let's see uh i have the wikipedia page for john drake john drake Drake. yes um but it it sounds very much like it was a uh, um oh who was the guy in in uh, uh the 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 wesley crusher screws up and lies to picard episode that was the the ringleader of the 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 alpha oh, squad or whatever i can't remember his name but he eventually became tom paris yeah it was the so, same so, actor yeah 
um, they they wanted the same character, but they realized that if they used um, was it Sukerno or something like that? Um, oh, all right, I've got to look this up because it's going to bug me now. Um, Sukano. Sukano? No. No. Uh, Tuk- no. I'm being. I've actually. I'm coming to this after just finishing watching To Be To K. That's where that that name has got in my head. Um, oh, I haven't seen that. It's on Netflix. Worth a watch. You'll enjoy it. It's 98 uh, minutes of, he must be a very nice man. <laughs> that, that's basically what it is. I bet he's lovely when you meet him. He, he, he really seems like, like uh, uh, one of the coolest guys on the planet. You'd have him over for dinner a lot. You'd have him oh, yeah. and Brad over for dinner all the time. Really, they're ever so friendly. Uh, uh, almost got it. Um, Robin Leffler, Nova, Nova Squadron, Locarno, Nicholas Locarno, right? Which was which was played by Robert Duncan McNeil. Uh, and then when they when they wanted him on Voyager, they wanted the same character, but they didn't want to have to pay the writer from the TNG episode to use the character for seven seasons. So they just gave him a different name, even though it was the same actor and essentially the same character. Uh, and it seems like in The Prisoner, it was a, a very similar situation in that they wanted, McGowan wanted to do a, uh, a sequel or a continuation of Danger Man, uh, which I think was called Secret Agent here in the States. Uh, not that I saw it or anything, but um, some of y'all out there might have. I think this might be the source of the song Secret Agent Man. Oh, it could be. I, I think this is, that's the kind of, I'm, I'm struggling to remember the damn theme tune now. It's quite a, th- a famous, it's quite a famous uh, piece of music and I, it's totally slipped my mind and I'm totally mixing it up with Man in a Suitcase, which is a different show altogether. Never mind, ignore uh, me. <laughs> that's okay. Um, he had a co-creator uh, by the name of George Markstein or Mark Stein, or however it's pronounced. Uh, but after the 11th episode was shot, Mark Stein left, and there is... You know, it's very interesting. Reading up and studying about this show, uh, it, uh, it, it really shows how things happened back in the pre-internet days, because there, there's a lot that's not known about the production of this show. Um, because McGowan died in, what, 2009, something like that? Um, and he was, you know, he was kind of the, the the Gene Roddenberry of this show. He was running everything. Uh, he was approving all the scripts. He wrote several of the shows, and things like remember. Remember, you said to me you weren't entirely sure you were watching the show in the right order. Yeah, there is no right order. Oh, is there nobody? Not? Nobody knows for sure. Aside the the uh, the pilot uh, arrival, and then the essentially two part finale. Uh, Once Upon a Time and Fallout are the only ones that anybody's sure where they go. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because because the air date, the the air order is apparently not necessarily the order they were intended to be shown in. Right. I did read last night about the there being there between the penultimate episode and the apps the last episode there was a year break in filming. Yeah. And I was just, I could not figure out what set of circumstances would occur for that to be the case. And there's there's nothing to read about it. I haven't found out. 
Well, um, yeah, I, I saw that mentioned, and I tried to find a reason for it. Oh, by the way, before we go any further, I think we probably need to give a huge spoiler alert here. Uh, because there there are some things about this show that you it's better to not know before you watch it. Okay. Uh, I think I think anyway. Yeah. Uh, you know, I went into this knowing the only thing I knew about this show was I've been hear- hearing about the prisoner my whole life, and there was a big white ball that stopped people from leaving wherever they were. Um, and so it was all really fresh for me. Uh, but uh, you know, things like does he ever get off the get out of the village? Uh, do they ever find out? what his information was, stuff like that. Those are things that I think if you know ahead of time, could, could p- put maybe, you know, kind of take some of the luster off the show, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I actually knew a little more than you did going into it, because I, I think with it being a British thing, it's been uh, a little more controversial over here. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, when TV do programs like, you know, the 100 greatest TV episodes or worst tv endings or whatever the countdown shows that cost nothing to make mm-hmm. this this always crops up and so i kind of knew to expect something yeah. i'm trying not to spoil <laughs> um but i didn't know the details exactly of how it would all unfold and yeah. that sort of thing so if you haven't seen the show folks and you don't want to and you want to experience it as fully as you can uh stop listening Go watch the show. It's only 17 episodes, uh, and it, it is not a chore to watch this show at all. It, they, they fly by, uh, and if you're, if you're like the kind of person who loves to binge watch a show, you'll get through this thing in three days. Oh, um, yeah. D- yeah. It, it's easy enough to... It's out on Blu-ray, uh, yeah. and the remaster looks beautiful, to be perfectly honest, for something shot in 1967. <laughs> it's been cleaned up very well, so I do recommend that. So... Now all those people have left. <laughs> you know, I was, it was funny. I was really worried when we started this that this was going to suffer from the, uh, you know, kind of like Voyager did, which was if we know he can't succeed because if he does, then the show is over. But knowing that there were only 17 episodes and, you know, knowing that it didn't go on for three years or whatever, or seven years, God forbid, um, it it gave it that it it freed it up of that, and it also it never really got boring or samey until I mean there were there were a few epi- a couple of episodes that weren't great, but uh, overall I think this was it was just it 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 had me riveted every episode. Me me too. I enjoyed absolutely every episode. The show never fell into the the trap of being. Every episode is the same, even though you're you're reasonably certain he's never gonna, he's not going to get off the island this time. The island, yeah. the village, wherever it is, we don't know it's an island. Actually, uh, I just kept assuming it was an island, but then at the end, it kind of seems to not be. I no, uh, I think it's specifically not an island. Uh, I think you see maps and stuff like that, and yet, interestingly enough, I kind of also referred to it as the island. Uh, do you know what? Lost has destroyed us. I think maybe you're right. <laughs> Even though I never watched Lost, but uh, you know, voted off the island or escaping the island has kind of become a a, a, yeah. a cultural touchstone. But yeah, it's not an island. You, you see a map. Uh, I think in one of the very early episodes, um, that kind it's what you know because the point is he doesn't know where it is, but so it's a map of reasonably local area, and you you see that it's not an island. 
although it is surrounded by mountains, ah, which okay. is what stops people escaping that way. Or that's the impression I got anyway. I could just be totally wrong. Um, it's kind of an odd show to say the least, isn't it? Oh, in its, that, yeah. In its style, in its production, all of it is very, very odd. It's very surreal. I don't know how to describe it other than surreal. It is, and yet, until uh, you know, up until the last three or four episodes, it's still, it, it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not like acid trip surreal. It's just like uh, mindfuck surreal. Yeah, and you you also have to be prepared for the. There is a lack of continuity there as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to find. There, there's a. Um, oh, where the hell is it? Uh, on, I, I, it's. I know it's kind of far down. The uh, there were 17. Okay, there, there's one of the the um, areas of the show that that there's some controversy about is just how many episodes Magoon intended to make. Um, I. Most of the most of the articles I read said that he only wanted to do seven, but nobody wanted seven episodes. They're like, we can't show, we can't sell a show with only seven episodes, hmm. and so they also wanted to try to to release it over here in the states. And CBS, I think they said, wanted like thirty six episodes, right? And then the BBC said, well, what if we do twenty four or twenty six or something like that? And McGowan finally talked them down to seventeen. Um, and later after the show was done, he said that there were only seven episodes that in his opinion counted. And I'm trying to find, there's a list of them and it, it kind of makes sense when you read, when you read the list of the ones that he thinks, you know, he said everything else was filler. Oh, that's, that's what I'm looking for. Filler. Filler was the, there was, was the quite head. a lot of filler. Um, th- th- he handled it very well. I mean, especially the later episodes that I like where. The story didn't take place in the village. You know, like the Western one, like the one where he was uh, following the woman, in that that rather smashing disguise. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, that one, which was was called uh, The Lady Called Death, was actually an unused Danger Man script that they just sort of adapted... uh, to use to use as uh, as a, a prisoner. Here here's the list. The episodes that are essential to the main story, according to McGowan, are Arrival, which is the first one, uh, Free for All, Dance of the Dead, Checkmate, The Chimes of Big Ben, which is the one where he he first thinks he gets off the gets out of the village, mm-hmm. and then it turns out his his former colleagues are actually the ones that put him there, or at least it seems to be anyway. Uh, Once Upon a Time and Fallout, which were the last two. Uh, he said the rest were only filmed to satisfy the required episode count. Now that was something I had heard about the prisoner before I went in, uh, in 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 reference to other shows. Uh, I was looking up, I think, for the Starbase, talking about shows that had a like Babylon Five and and um, Lost and stuff like that, where they had an intended ending point, and then because the show was successful, got. F- more or less forced to continue on beyond where they were supposed to stop. Yeah, it's a, a horrible thing that happens to some television shows. 
success can be the downfall of them. Yeah. Uh, and he yeah. clearly had a story he wanted to tell uh, and had to make far more of it. Um, I kind of get both sides of the story. I think nowadays he might get more traction if, he was, if it was trying to be made for just seven episodes. Or maybe you could do just a couple more and HBO would still like it. Or Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, from what I've been... For what I've been seeing, um, you know, and you, you may have seen this in, in your travels because you've, you've dealt with some with uh, performers uh, of various natures. The very talented are often very batshit crazy. Yeah. And yeah. Magoon seems to be, from all accounts, very, very nice, but just a little over the line into craziness. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, so he was a oh, go ahead. I, I was going to tell you what it was for me that kind of was the first red flag on that. Um, the the story I can't remember what the name of the episode was. There's a woman who is told she's in love with him, and yeah. there's a scene where he ha- he puts his arm around her, and he refused to do that with the actress. He had they brought his daughter in, who was put in a wig and shot from the back to be the person that he put his arm around in that <laughs> shot that was it that 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 perfectly jibes with everything i've been reading about him he was a staunch catholic who any and any time another writer tried to put romance into any of the episodes he he cut it out yeah he was not gonna let it happen um in fact here here's something i don't know if you read this or not and if not this might just blow your mind a little bit he was offered the role of james bond that doesn't surprise me. And he said, you know, he didn't agree with Bond's uh, morality, and he refused it. He turned it down. That's interesting. I, 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 I'm surprised I've not come across that in my following of the Bond films. Um, but it, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that he was offered the role. Uh, instead of Sean Connery? It didn't... Where I... Uh, I think I saw here on on TV tropes. I'm not going to try to tease it out of all of this information here, but uh, I, it didn't say it just said he was offered the role. And I kind of, it it seemed to imply that he was at the beginning. I mean, the, 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 the timing would have been right. Uh, Late sixties, mid sixties. Yeah. Um, Um, Coming off the back of being, being danger man, which I honestly have to find some episodes of now. I get the feeling it's one I'd mention it to my mum and she'd go, oh, it was good, that. <laughs> well, it was funny when Mary mentioned it on, uh, on Twitter the other day uh, when we had tweeted that we were doing this show and, and she mentioned Danger Man. I'd never heard of Danger Man, but I've watched Danger Mouse. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, yeah, he's who Danger Mouse is supposed to be. Okay. They're bringing that back soon as well. I've heard. I'm, yeah. I, I don't know how to feel about that. Uh, you know, I didn't watch Danger Mouse as a kid. I saw it, the, the first time I saw Danger Mouse was in 1996. Oh, right. <clears throat> was my, my friend Carol had married an Englishman and moved over there. And then when they moved back to the States, she's like, have you ever seen Danger Mouse? And uh, our cartoon network uh, was actually running it uh, in the mornings. And so, and I was working three to 11. So I would get up at, 10 o'clock in the morning or 11 o'clock and danger mouse would be on. And I just, I fell in love with it. It was awesome. I grew up with that show. Any, anyone who was a kid in England in the eighties knows danger mouse without a doubt. I could possibly sing the theme tune. I'm not going to. 
<laughs> so did Danger Man have a have a, a a sniveling sidekick that he was always telling to shut I, up to? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I know too far too little about it. I wish I'd had a chance to watch it before we did this show. I was tempted, yeah. But yeah, n- just not had the time. Um but yeah, Danger Mouse, I've seen a lot of. A lot of Danger Mouse. I think it's still on TV rerun. I'm sure. Quite a lot. It, it's quite timeless, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, although it's interesting, the 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 crow. Oh, I forget his name. Bar- Baron Greenback. Baron Greenback's henchman, the crow. Uh, over here was given sort of a, a gruff English accent, but I guess over there he's Italian. Yes, I think so. Oh no, I'm having to Google now. Danger Mouse. <laughs> Okay, um, let's try the wiki, come on, Wikipedia page. Do we have main characters? Danger Mouse, Ernst Penfold, Colonel K, Slatter's Greenback, Stiletto, Stiletto, Mafiosa, voiced by Brian Truman, Greenback's henchman at Crow, uh, Italian. That's it. They they didn't they didn't let him keep the Italian accent over here. To avoid offending Italian Americans, this would change to a Cockney accent for US distribution. So clearly they were fine with <laughs> offending Cockney Americans. <laughs> of which there are three. Yeah. <laughs> and none of them have figured out how to work a TV yet because they're 150 years old. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that that's fine. Offend the, the Cockney Americans. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh dear. Um yeah, so that's that's based on Danger Man. That's okay. that's what it is. Um, now then, there's a few other things I definitely want to touch on about the prisoner. First of all, his car, the Lotus Seven, the car that he expressly uh, says he built with his own hands. <laughs> no, he probably well he would have done. He would have done these. These are very special cars. Have you ever seen one before? I have not. Because these have been a staple of British roads for the last 50 years, since this time. Um, and it, it, was a, it started off as a Lotus. You could buy one of these cars as driven in the Prisoner today. No problems. There'll be a showroom somewhere. Hmm. There's, there's a guy that lives on my street, just three houses up, who builds them. Um, it's been a great sort of British tradition of man in his shed building a kit car, and the Lotus Seven was a massively famous one. And they've sort of—they're not made by Lotus anymore. They've changed hands many times over the years. They've been catering. I think it's catering now uh, that sell them. And you can—you can buy them pre-assembled for a bit more, but generally you buy just a big crate of bits, and you—you huh. you build the car. That that's something that there's always been a a, a British tradition of of that happening somewhere, and that you know there are lo- lots of kit car companies in this country that make cars that you've never seen anything like, but you've got to build it if you want one. Yeah, we we get a little bit of that over here. I think you know I, I I've never seen one of those Lotuses before, but I don't think it ever would have passed safety regs over here probably not uh, <laughs> and and you you have to understand how small they are that they, they are you could pick it up <laughs> you probably could you, you probably could um they weigh next to nothing they go like stink honestly <laughs> they are they are 
ridiculous vehicles. I would love one. Honestly, every every English kid who grows up liking cars knows about the Lotus 7 and wants one so very much uh, because they're basically a, a, a go-kart with a big petrol engine. <laughs> yeah. um, and so they are ridiculous. But because they're meant for uh, quickness and nothing else, you know, you can go racing in these things. And people do. every. I guarantee somewhere in this country this weekend there'll be a race meet of Caterham uh, cars like this. Hmm. Um, the episode uh, where he goes, oh, what's it called? The one where they swap in with a different body. Oh, uh, oh, hang on. It's darling something or other. Uh, uh, f- Do not forsake me, oh my darling. Yeah. That, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Th- what made me laugh most about that episode was how when he decides he needs to go to Austria, he just jumps in his car and goes. You do not want to drive from London to Austria <laughs> in a Lotus 7. I didn't think it looked that comfortable for such no. a long ride. Let me, to give you some idea of how comfortable these things are intended to be, I'll tell you that the windscreen, the windshield, is an mm-hmm. optional extra. <laughs> right? This is not a car that you are meant to go touring through Europe in. You are meant to drive it to the racetrack that you are going to race it on that weekend and home from that racetrack. Maybe into town on a really, really nice day because the roof is optional. <laughs> oh, they, they do come with a roof? If you buy the roof and fit it, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but there are, these are hugely popular things. The, the guy that builds them on my, on my street um, has a van, which I gather from the, the signage on the side. He's some sort of president of some club of people who build these things. And mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And that club is big enough to have a van. <laughs> you know, it's not just three or four guys. It's going to be a lot of them. And you see him go out in it every weekend. Quite jealous. Thinking, <laughs> I would go out in that today. That would be a lot of fun on the country roads of Yorkshire. Because that's what they made it for. Um, given the company's, company's racing pedigree, I'm surprised the Caterham F1 team didn't do better than they did. But there you go. Mm. You know, and the other thing car related that has bugged me about every damn episode about mm-hmm. of this show, he pulls up outside his house and goes in. We see that a lot. Yeah. There's a yellow line down the road outside his house. That means no parking. <laughs> He'd have a ticket every day. Eventually the the council would tow his car, probably. He can't park there. Well, he's a super secret agent. I'm sure he's got uh, some sort of special yeah, park where I want. Park. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a full size car anyway. Bah. That's that's it, and it's just bugged me every week. Just he's done it again. He's parked on the yellow line. Can't do that. Well, yeah. you know, we've only seen him in in uh, in extreme circumstances. Maybe normally he just picks the car up and sticks it on the stoop, and it yeah, doesn't that's sit true. <laughs> he ta- he's got a cupboard under the stairs for it. <laughs> It is that tiny. It's so small. Um, I didn't realize it. You know, it, it. I don't remember which episode it was. Maybe it was uh, um, uh, the the chimes of Big Ben, where he where he gets back to London, uh, and and he. That's when he when I actually saw him get out of the car, and that's when I realized how tiny the thing was. And you know something else that just dawned on me that hadn't that hadn't sunk in. I think. 
you remember at the end of uh, Fallout when he drives when he gets to his house after yeah. they drive the cage there, and his car pulls up and it's a different color. And I wonder if that was a result of the, of the year between filming the first half and the second half. I didn't notice that. What was the new color? It was green. It, it, was, it wasn't completely green, but it, it had been repainted, or it was a different car. Oh, right. I didn't, I didn't notice that at all. Generally, they are all green. They, they come in British racing green. It is a specific color, and it's, it is known as British racing green. And uh, that sort of caterham's colour. So maybe it just got repainted by the owner or something <laughs> like that. But he would not drive. I'm just looking on the map. He didn't even have a roof. And he drove from London through France and then either through <laughs> Switzerland or Germany into Austria. Is it not reasonable to expect that you might drive through a rain shower? I, oh, my God. <laughs> well, and also, I, I mean, I, the, the guy that was supposed to be number six for that episode was huge yes now did you recognize him from anything else nope because he is in the great escape which oh, is the, it's the been best ages since i've seen that don't you watch it every christmas i do not is it is it a christmas film no not really it's a <laughs> no it's an escape from a prisoner of war camp <laughs> film but it is it is somewhat traditional in some british households to watch the great escape at christmas time uh. I don't know why. Um, just because it's awesome and we, we like it. But he was in The Great Escape. He was, he, he was in charge of distracting the Germans. So he ran the choir in the camp. Cavendish. Ah, okay. Yeah. Now, do you know why they did uh, that, that episode? I do, of course. Because uh, he, he was off filming Ice Station Zebra. Or yep. Ice Station Zebra, as you would say. As we would say, yeah. I said zebra, and Alison corrected me. Just you know what's night. funny? When, when Sharon, was my, my daughter, my, my toddler, was just born, my mother-in-law brought home this alphabet toy. It's an electronic alphabet toy in the shape of a, of a butterfly. And yeah. it's got 26 buttons on it, and you can set it to say the letter, or you can get, set it to say the animal that, that represents the letter. Or the, yeah, whatever. And... It was quite a while before we even turned the thing on because, you know, an infant doesn't play with toys. That's something I didn't realize is they have to learn to play with toys. You give them shit, and they just sort of drop it and ignore it. Um, but when she finally turned the thing on and it's making all this annoying noise and stuff, and then she's hitting the buttons, and I suddenly realized that the thing was what had a British accent. Uh-huh. And, it, you know, most of the time it was just, you know, it didn't really matter until it was Zed and Zebra. <laughs> Now then, we, we, we had a similar problem with the speak and spell. Do you remember the speak and spell? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, for those of you who were born alarmingly recently, uh, the speak and spell was a big sort of dinner tray shape thing. Uh, it must have been, I bet you could have hammered nails in with that thing. It oh, was yeah. a very primitive com computer for kids. You typed on it, it said words. And they were very popular here, but of course they all had American accents. <laughs> and people lost their shit over that. <laughs> I think there was, there was talk of banning them, all kinds of things. It was, I remember that being a big thing on the news. Like, uh, children are saying Z. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't know what that is. <laughs> 
Well, let me tell you about my speak and spell, youngster. Uh, when I was little, uh, the speak and spell was a thing about the size of a hubcap. Uh, and it, it had, it was, you know, round with, with feet. So it would stand up and it had a handle and it had a, a, a pointer in the middle that was shaped like some whimsical cartoon character. And you would, it, and uh, it was circular and around the, the perimeter were the words or letters and you would turn the pointer to the letter that you wanted it to say. And then there was a string on the side that you would pull out. It was probably about 18 inches long. And then when you would let it go, the pointer would start spinning and the tape inside would play the letter or the animal that you just pointed it at. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, you know, I thought that's what you were talking about. Then you said push the button in electronic. No. I was like, no. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm trying not to say, oh, gosh, that's, that's even older than I remember. <laughs> no, we have now batteries. You have USB ports and thing, and now, <laughs> yeah, now there's they're probably just an app now. Yeah, <laughs> I bet you just I bet there's an iPad app. If there isn't, whoever makes them is definitely leaving money on the table. Yeah, and then it can speak any accent it wanted to. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And speaking of accents, I think this might be a good segue into what we were talking about on the uh, on the, the Christmas Eve, uh, uh, super happy fun time. Yes, the accents, because I was, I was, uh, you know, okay, let me start this over. <clears throat> I grew up watching shows like Monty Python and uh, uh, UFO, which is a show I'm, we will be watching. That's for darn sure. Oh, yeah. um, and, you know, stuff like that, where all of the British people, English people, wait a minute, which one's English people? <laughs> Yeah, get it right eventually. Uh, Greatest events in sporting history. English people (laughs) all had pretty much the same accent. And so all of the people of my generation, all the Americans of of my generation, we all think we can do an English accent because we've heard this this kind of sterilized generic one. And now, of course, having been a part of Simply Syndicated, I am I am far more aware that in any three square mile section of England, you'll have about 15 different accents. Yeah, at least. And, <laughs> um, and so I'm watching The Prisoner and everybody talks the same. And because I am now aware of it, it really stood out as bizarre to me. It is, isn't it? I, I don't know why. Do, do you know what? It reminds me quite of, I feel like I'm Worf and we've gone back in time on the <laughs> Defiant and you're asking me why Klingons don't look like me anymore. <laughs> That's what I feel like. Well, I'm trying to remember one of the people in the chat room said something about it. We were talking about it and there was an act- actually a name for that accent. We we tend to call it BBC English. Okay. Because it was the kind of voice that you'd read the news with. Yeah. Nowadays they're far more they, they try they try they make a point of having Scottish news newsreaders and Welsh newsreaders and Irish newsreaders and all that. Representing all the people of Great Britain. Um but yeah, it used to be that's so that's what we call it, BBC English. Okay. And it's, it's just terribly well spoken in a very weird way. Yeah, except it doesn't 
quite elevate up to the the, the posh upper upper class accent no. either. No, it's it, well. Do you know what? It's from a time when we were all brilliant. It's that's the <laughs> accent that won the war. Ah, I, I okay. think that's that's the way to look at it. But yeah, I don't speak like that. No one I know speaks like that. No one ever. I don't think anyone really spoke like that at the time. You know. It, it mm. wasn't like my dad spoke like that when he was little, but he stopped now. No, he's just no one ever did speak like that, except for some reason on television. I I wonder if it's the mark of sort of Shakespearean acting, that sort of thing. I don't. Well, you know, something else that just dawned on me now that we're talking about it. I've always wondered, ever since the first time I heard Sean Connery speak in his normal voice, I could never fathom why. He didn't just talk like that as Bond, but that it's at that time. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, I, you know, Bond far better than I do. Is there anything that states where he comes from in in the United Kingdom? Uh, Scotland. Okay, so it would have made even more sense for for Connery to use his normal voice. Yeah, I. Do you know what? I I get the feeling, and this is going to be one of the horrible bits about the books is that he's considered I, I don't know god i don't even want to say it because it's so horrible and jingoistic from the time but just sort of too he's too well educated to speak with a scottish accent ah no i i can see that because we we have uh when i moved to louisiana you know we have the american newsman accent news person accent that you know kind of what i speak uh, yeah, maybe with a little, a few fewer regionalisms involved. Um, when we moved to Louisiana, all of the all of the, the the radio news announcers and TV news announcers all still had this this accent. And then they cut to one day I'm driving and I'm listening, and they cut to the stock report, and the guy doing the stock report sounded like this, and he's like, "Pork bellies are up," and you know, blah blah blah. And even though he was the the information he was putting out was perfectly salient and you know that he wasn't saying y'all or anything like that automatically my brain went how can this hick be doing the stock report uh so you know there are accents that just have a, a an unfortunate connotation uh that oh I, absolutely yeah we 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 i can tell you kind of all about this from bits i picked up from working in call centers years ago is that there are companies put call centers in different regions of the country specifically so that their call center agents have a particular accent. And that's why there are some places where there are just no call centers. Because, for example, a London accent was deemed to be far less trustworthy than a a Glaswegian accent. And so there are a lot of technical support things and customer service lines that you'll get through to and you're speaking to a scottish person and that's Hmm. not that's not an accident that's not coincidence there's a reason why there are no uh sort of brummy accents birmingham accents west country accents on adverts because they're deemed they suffer from the same problem as, as perhaps the accents from the deep south of america suffer from and it's not that these people aren't intelligent, it's just that the accent creates this impression. It's it's quite odd, but it's a, a very noted thing. Hmm. That's it's well, true. That's yeah. 
that's that's a that there you go <laughs> it's true and and the the you know the same goes for america you have a great many accents over there and uh yeah some are deemed some create i don't know what it is i bet there's a name for it but yeah as far as i'm aware it's very much a real thing yeah oh yeah you you, you wouldn't expect a a college professor or university professor to speak with a, a thick southern drawl or like a, a heavy Brooklyn accent. Uh, it it just it, even though I'm sure there are plenty of both, uh, you just it just doesn't doesn't leap to mind. No, uh, if you were casting, if you were making a production and casting a professor, there are there are people you just wouldn't cast based on their accent. Surely, mm-hmm. that's just how it. Go- I don't know why. I feel like I've been prejudiced then, and I don't well, want to have been. I'm not <laughs> saying that people from Birmingham are stupid or, or Louisiana or anything. I'm just, it's a thing. Don't blame yeah. me, blame science. There are plenty of idiots in Louisiana. <laughs> that's, that's, that, I was just being kind. There are thick in Birmingham as well. But I just didn't want to say anything. They haven't but, worked out podcasting yet, don't worry. <laughs> Well, since we've got such a, a small number of episodes, do you want to just kind of go through them briefly and, uh, and, and just talk about them a bit? Yeah, I can do. So now we're both looking for a pen episode list. <laughs> yeah. well, I've, I've got one from Wiki, Wikipedia and uh, the, the mighty Wikipedia. Um, I don't know that these... I'm trying to... The, you know, it, it has been a while since I watched the first one. Um, you know, he 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 wakes up in the in the village and has to learn his learn his way around, um, and that was his first attempt to escape, and that was just him. Is that the one where he's, he's just running down the beach and the ball gets him? The ball is interesting because the ball is one of the most iconic things about the episode or about the the series. Yes, because I'd never seen it, but I knew about the big white ball. And uh, now, Greg Gab. Uh, of the uh, the um, inappropriate conversations podcast, uh, put up a post. I had read a little bit about this, but he he kind of fleshed it out. Uh, it was originally supposed to be the they they called it the rover, and it was supposed to be more like a, a car sort of lunar rover robot-y sort of thing. And they spent a great deal of their initial budget on building this prop, and it, the first time they used it, it drove into the water and sank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so now I, I saw an interview with McGowan where he, he didn't go into a lot of detail about what happened, but he was like, this prop didn't work. And we were near a meteorological station and I looked up and I saw this white ball in the sky and I asked my producer, what is that? And he says, it's probably a, a weather balloon. And he said, can we get one of those? And that's how the rover became a big white ball. I, they, they're either very silly or actually very good. And I kind of move back and forth between which one it is. There's something very ominous about them. And I know it is just a big balloon. But they, it, I actually think they pull it off. I do too. I, you know, I, like I said, I'd known about the big white ball, but I had no idea what the context was, how it was used or anything like that. I spent a lot of the time when that thing was on screen going, how the hell are they working that? Because <laughs> it sure did seem to go where they wanted it to go. And it looked like it, it was... You know, there was something inside that was steering at it, because most of the time it didn't look like they just kicked it down a hill and then filmed it or ran it backwards or something. It looked like it was it was moving on its own. 
Yeah. Well, sometimes they did kick it down a hill and film it and run it backwards. Which yeah. Is, which is actually why uh, when it moves around the village, everyone freezes. Because that's a clever little thing, because then that's easier to... Oh, I didn't even think of with. that. Yeah. Then you can run it backwards. If everybody's walking around while the rover goes around, then they have to walk backwards. So it's it's better if you just have everyone freeze. Um, other times, it actually was just tethered to the actor that was running away from it. Um, and that's how it follows them. They've got yeah. a wire tied to their ankle as they run along. It's really simple stuff, but it, it's I, really I effective. I was complicating it, yeah. Because yeah. it, it really didn't look that... Especially when it was on the water. But I guess if you just drag it from below or something... Uh, yeah, there's lots of things you can do. But it, it, it all feels very... Almost silly. When you talk about it, yeah, we'll just have a big white balloon. We'll tie it to you with a wire, and it'll look like it's chasing you. Just run along looking scared and wave your arms. And, <laughs> you, you know, that sounds ridiculous, but you watch it with the sound effects, the nice roaring sound that it makes. Oh, that was a horrifying sound. That you Isn't used. it? That was brilliant. Um, And it, it's actually quite good. It really works. Low-tech science fiction, big monster, but it's yeah. just a big bubble. You know, really yeah, good. Sometimes, sometimes simple is great. Exactly. Um, yeah, I really don't have much to say about the arrival. It's it's you know it's the it's the pilot. It's setting the scene. You know, we 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 meet number the 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 first number two. Uh, you know, we see all of the most of the locations around the 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 village. Um, now, one thing that I never got, and after seeing the entire series, it. it I won't say it makes more sense, but it it makes less sense if that it, the seesaw guys. I watched every episode thinking when I get an office, <laughs> I am going to have two guys going up and down on a big seesaw thing in the middle of the room, and never ever explain it, never say a word about it. You know what were they doing? What, we don't know. It was it, that was hilarious, but nevertheless, there it is. You know what it reminded me of, or I, I wonder if if uh, you've seen David Lynch's horrible Dune movie, right? Bits of it. Oh, you've never seen the whole thing? No, I've never sat through the whole thing. Okay. Uh, towards the end, there the the Emperor's ship is on Arrakis, and there's the big battle at the end with the worms and the fremen and all that stuff, and. Inside the Emperor's ship is a bunch of guys sitting on monitor stations that are, it's like a circular thing. Imagine the seesaw thing, except it's not a seesaw, it's a carousel. Right. Where they're sitting on sort of a, a bicycle sort of thing, looking into a monitor, and it's, and it's rotating. Uh, it reminded me of that. Uh, and again, it made little to no sense. <laughs> but I, I want that in my office. That, that should <laughs> definitely be there. Just in reception, maybe. Yeah, and they and would just, have just to pay sit a couple there, of guys to sit there <laughs> silently all day. Never say a word. Never stop just going up and down on this thing. That's all your job is. That's mm -hmm. it. And pay you them know, I, well. I, I think one of the most interesting things about this series is that you know the the kind of weirdness that goes on in this show is I, I don't want to say. We're used to it nowadays, but I don't think it stands out as much as it would have back in 1967. Yeah. And I wonder if that's part of the reason why it has remained such a phenomenon, is that... Because, I mean, I enjoyed the show, 
But when it was done, I kind of found myself wondering, why is this still so, you know, why has this become such a, a, a huge thing in the annals of science fiction history? Uh, and I think it's because it was so odd. And, and you know, McGowan's absolute steadfastness in keeping the character exactly as he wanted it to be. Uh, you know, he didn't, you know, even, the only time we ever see him go back on his morals is is in uh, uh, the Western one. And then that was, you know, it ended up being, you know, didn't really happen anyway. Mm. Uh, which I think, was, you know, was kind of unusual. I kept expecting him to break at some point uh, or to just decide that the end justifies the means, but he never did. He never wavered. Uh, I, I always wondered what would happen to him if he broke. You know, he, and and that kind of made it so he couldn't. Like, that would, they'd just kill him if he ever told them what they wanted to know. Why yeah. keep him then? And so, kind of not breaking was the only thing keeping him alive. That was, that was where I was with it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's interesting. One thing that occurred to me while I was watching this is uh, there was, uh, I forget which episode it was, where, uh, oh, uh, uh, Hammer and Anvil or a hammer on the and the anvil uh where the new number 2 is like I'm going to fuck you up and and McGowan's <laughs> like yeah bring it and then he proceeds to destroy number 2 over the the course of the episode which I absolutely adored that one that might have been my favorite to be perfectly honest <laughs> with you um but it dawned on me that there was a basic flaw in the way they were going after number 6 to begin with which is but well anyway um which is that they made him important. And so all of their attention on him only strengthened his resolve because, you know, it, it, everything was about him. Everything was circled, was uh, going, you know, uh, focused on him. And there was no time that he felt any, they kept feeding his ego oh, by, yeah. by working on it. You know, if they had, you know, there wouldn't have been a show, <laughs> but <laughs> if they had just, you know, locked him in a dark room and, you know, you know, did the Papillon thing to him, you know, gave him just bugs to eat and stuff and just ignored him for a couple of decades, they might've got the information out of him. But as it was, they, you know, he became the most important creature in, in his and their universe. And that just, that just bolstered him every time he realized it. I mean, anytime he started to waver, he, he kind of realized, Hey, you know, I, the, they're they're dancing to my tune. Absolutely, that never occurred to me. That never occurred to me. Just leave him to it, and yeah, I'm with you. Now then, the next one I saw was actually um wasn't the Chimes of Big Ben. Oh, okay. It was the one with the election. Oh, but free for all. About, yeah. See, that's why I thought mine were out of order. So let's just talk about the Chimes of Big Ben. Okay. Um, this is where he meets another villager, number eight, and they plot to get out. Is that another Leo McKern? Yeah, as number two. Yeah, that was. That was yeah, he was. Leo McKern was one of two number twos <laughs> that reprised their role. All of the rest of the time, there was the new number two, but uh, McKern came back at the end of the series for for uh, the last two, and. Uh, I forget which was the other one that, that came back. Um, there were now there were certainly other actors that came back as different people. Yeah, yeah, there were. 
Which you weren't supposed to notice that. (laughs) (laughs) But then again, now that I think about it, if you had a year in between uh, Once Upon a Time and Fallout, people might have forgotten that they saw uh, the guy that played the kid in in, um, uh, Living in Harmony. Yeah. As the as the dude in the top hat at the end of the show, I tell you what, um, if I'd have just been watching this weekly on TV, it would have taken me a number of episodes to realize that it was a different number two in every episode. I didn't catch it until I realized that he kept saying, "You know, who are you? The new number two. I was like, "Oh, they're they're actually pointing it out to us." Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I always assumed that that was that kept happening because they kept failing to break him every week. And yeah, so was- you you get replaced with the next guy so to speak. It was nice it was a woman one week. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that was one of the earlier ones, too. I think uh, Free For All. I think, oh, no, it wasn't the election one. And Anyway. Um, yeah, so Chimes of Big Ben, he meets up with, with number eight, and she thinks he, he thinks that she's hooking him up with, a, with a, like an underground, and uh, they, they spend a lot of time in crates. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I kept wondering that you know this was not a short trip in this crate. Are they like pissing in a bottle or something, or was it just really foul when they opened up that? that- <laughs> <laughs> just open it. Oh my god, what are you doing? Oh. Number six. <laughs> yeah. Um, a, B, and C. Oh, this—that's the one where they go into his dreams, don't they? Yeah. Or, or make him dream about particular people mm-hmm. uh, to try and figure out who he was going to... Well, they thought he was going to sell his secrets, and they wanted to know who he was going to meet. Quite a good episode. Yeah. Now, one thing, uh, the, the Chimes of Big Ben, to, just to, to jump back to that one for a second, uh, I, one thing I really liked about that episode, because it seemed, a, it, it was a fairly, especially for this show, a fairly straightforward plot, except that, you know, he gets back, he gets back to what he thinks is London, and he gets back to his old his old uh, headquarters and then we see that the people he used to work with are working with the village which was kind of telling yeah uh, because you know he never knows whose side you know this little cold war you know one side versus the other uh but he never knows who's actually running things uh but he gets back to what he thinks are are you know is a friendly place and then he goes through a bookshelf and he's right back in the village. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting that they keep, they even keep us guessing as to who is actually behind the village. I, I don't think that is ever revealed, is it? Nope. No, no, it's not. Of course. I kind of, no, no, never mind. There was something that made me think it wasn't his own people, but yeah, they, they ignore that. But then again, we never know whether his people, you know, it's, it's, you know, plots within plots within plots who, who, because we assume that he was a secret agent, but we never actually, well, I guess in, in the, the, well, no, we never really see him being a secret agent. No, it's all speculative. All this stuff is an attempt to explain the prisoner. It's all fan based. None of it is, is part of what they actually wrote. I've I've honestly just tried to accept it as this is what it is. And the end is what it is, and that's it. 
you know, I don't I don't need to say, well, he was actually this other guy from this other TV show and yeah, yeah, all this stuff. Fine, he resigned. They put him on an island. We don't know who it was. You know. Yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of glad I got to say this quietly that I didn't watch this with my wife because she loves to try to figure shit like this out, and I'd never be able to pay attention to an episode because she would just be, "Do you think this? Do you think that? Do you think this?" <laughs> like, no, I'm just watching the show. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the thing is, she'd never have figured a single thing out because there's nothing no. to figure out. You know, it's it's meant to be ambiguous in this way. Yeah. Uh, so now I, I would imagine if I had been watching this as a youth, because when I, when I was much younger, uh, I, I had a far lower tolerance for ambiguity. Now I really dig it. Uh, I love open endings now. Um, but uh, I I still think I, I was I was a little disappointed that I I won't say I was wrong about who number one was, but I was never shown, proven right either. I I still think the dwarf was number one, <laughs> but. Um, I I kind of I mean to go there um because we've kind of been avoiding it I thought that number 1 was him that that was what I was watching it uh with in mind um I kind of thought they were rubbing it in your face every week when they said when he asked who's number 1 and they go you are number 6 Yeah that's one of the theories that there should there should be a comma after you are and it should be you are number six. Yeah. Um, I. I mean. All right. Well, that's that's jumping ahead to uh, to fall out. Um, okay. Let, let's work there carefully. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what? Where are we next? We do okay, that. A, B, and C. I had nothing to say about. I I liked it for for the fact that it 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 got very science fictiony, uh, as opposed to just sort of a a. a a, a standard spy thriller sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, the getting into the dreams thing and, you know, it established that early on so that later on when they do other stuff like that, we don't, it, it didn't seem to come out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, free for all. Did free enjoy all. that one. I did. The, the only problem I had with that, and that's the one with the election is that he, he kind of gave in a little too easily to going along with it. Um, but I also kind of got the impression it was sort of like, eh, what the fuck else am I going to (laughs) do? That's it. I'd have done it. Cause yeah, like you say, what the fuck else is you going to (laughs) do? You're stuck in this village. It looks frighteningly dull. Um, incidentally, I thought on a day to day basis, he behaved remarkably well. Just as an act of disobedience of rebellion. I'm not sure I'd be wearing pants as I walked around. (laughs) <laughs> stuff like that you know i would make myself just impossible to be near other human beings if you're gonna hold me captive it's not gonna be fun i'm gonna make it so not fun for you you are gonna look at my bare naked ass as i run around giggling <laughs> that's what's gonna happen yeah you gotta wonder if he ever just sort of wanked in front of the cameras in his house every now and then just to that's that's still, what I still thought, like, what, what are you gonna do if i just go out into the mill- middle of that village green take everything off and, and start hammering away what are you gonna do <laughs> and that's what i do when i'm in the village every morning <laughs> noon and night that's what i do they'd soon get bored with you really 
Because you, you figure there had there were cameras everywhere, and there was definitely a bathroom in his in his apartment, which I give them credit for actually showing. Yeah. Uh, although I suspect maybe y'all are a little were a little less uptight about that than over here. Oh, I'd uh, I'd never use the bathroom. That would be <laughs> another thing. I'd never use the bathroom. They'd find it everywhere. <laughs> I, I'd hide it places. They honestly. That would be another. That's awesome. I can't believe I only just thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> That's my civil disobedience if I were the prisoner. Now, that, that secures me that I'll never go to the village. Yeah. They hear that. Like, He's not, don't bring it. He's going to leave his shit everywhere. Don't. <laughs> don't. Not him. Whatever he knows, it's not that important. Yeah. After have to sign number 47. I have to sign number 47 to follow me around with little black bags <laughs> like I do with Barclay. Uh, so the uh, the schizoid man, <laughs> uh, where they bring in another number two, or number six rather, and they tell number six that he's number twelve. Um, that was okay. Uh, generally, uh, you know, swapped identities, mistaken identities. You don't know who you really are, sort of thing. Uh, plot lines bother me, but I this one didn't. I, I like the way they handled it. Hmm. Yeah, this uh, was a good one. I can want to say that about all of them. Let's just assume that I think they're all good ones. <laughs> yeah, they're they're all there are there are just a few that are less good. Um, this one really there there are a lot of things he does that bugged me until I started realizing he kind of had no choice. It's like you got to sleep sometime, yeah. and you've got to eat. And if the only thing they're giving you to eat is what's in your fridge. And you never know if it's going to be laced with something or not this particular time. Because, uh, you know, every time he'd drink it, you're like, don't drink the tea. And then you'd be like, well, how do you know which time not to drink the tea? You know, or- exactly. You've just got to get on with it, haven't you? Yeah. Um, the the general. <laughs> I like the general because he, he almost he pulled some Kirk Fu at the end and talked the computer into blowing itself up. Oh, yes. <laughs> Now, which is the one, and I, I, I can't remember which one it is, with Kosho. Uh, we, we can't not mention Kosho. Do you know what the, the trampoline martial art? Oh, yes, yes. I forgot that it had a name. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> there were a couple of them. Yeah. Now, uh, I was explaining this to Alison earlier, and I wish I'd taken a picture of her face as I explained it to her. Please explain it to me. Because <laughs> it was kind of a mix of, are you making this up just to see if I'll go for it? Or is it really that weird? Or what is going on? She just didn't really believe what was happening. Now, Kosho, uh, for the uninitiated, is a martial art, which is entirely fictional. It is made up for this TV show. And it involves basically... Two trampolines and a paddling pool, and a barrier around them, and you've got to kind of throw the other guy into the paddling pool whilst bouncing on your trampoline. That's pretty I'm much it. A heavily padded bathrobe. Yeah, so you wear <laughs> the big pajamas and a crash helmet. <laughs> that's that's the Kosho outfit. I I think any martial art that involves a crash helmet as normal attire is kind of a bit of a cop out. Yeah, yeah. And and it seemed to me that the 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 idea was to bounce around back and forth until you accidentally bump into each other. Yeah. 
I mean, <laughs> there's it, unanimity it, it, going after each other. No, if this was a real life thing, you'd both just bounce there, like yeah. not doing anything. It, it wouldn't work, really. Although <laughs> I bet there. Are, oh, now I've. This is a Google search. Oh I yeah, I can yeah. go somewhere and play it. Kosho Club. <laughs> oh, there's a Kosho Bar. I'm guessing that's probably not. Kosho no. View Kempo. Uh, Kosho Only Gay Night in Ronford. There's a lot of <laughs> nightclubs, it seems, in the UK called Kosho, although I've never heard of one. Well, I, I think have now. Kosho actually means something like martial art or something like that. Right. Just look at the word Kosho. It is I, quite I, hilarious. Oh, wait, there was an Emperor Kosho? Uh. Japanese era spanning 1455 to 1557. Uh, Kasho Shorei Ryu Kempo, a martial arts system of Kempo. Kasho, a pre-modern Japanese term for a page. Uh, Kasho, a branch of the Judo Shinshu Buddhist tradition. And Kasho, a fictional martial art portrayed by the cult TV series The Prisoner. <laughs> None of which really helps me. Um, well, I'm actually kind of relieved to find that there aren't Kosho clubs throughout the nations. I'd have a go. It looked I like mean, fun, but as did. a martial art, it was really kind of boring to watch. It's really just trying to throw your mate in the pool, really. I guess. <laughs> if, if you've been on your, ho- on your holiday with your mates, you've probably effectively played Kosho. Um, yeah. I think calling it a martial art is a bit generous. Um, it's, it's a game. Yeah. Well, there was that that one time he was in there by himself, and then two scary guys show up, and he looks all frightened. And then they all just sort of bounce around for a little while, and nothing really happens. And then they bow to each other and leave. Do you know what? I think it's just impossible to be angry when you're bouncing on a trampoline. (laughs) I think that's what it is. And you just leave them to bounce, and eventually they just go, I can't now. I'm too happy. You go on, mate. That's that's what they do. Maybe that's the defense. Yep. <laughs> you go knock your mate in the water. That's the way to do it. So, yeah. gotta mention Kosho. Had yeah. to. What the hell? <laughs> Just... <laughs> yeah. That, that was one of the biggest. Yeah. D- WTF are. What the, yeah. <laughs> Where are we on the, the thing? Many, Many happy, happy ret- returns. What the f- fuck was this one? He wakes well, up. There's no one there. Yeah. He builds a boat. He goes home. Then everyone he works with is his mate. They help him find the place again. He parachutes into it, and then suddenly it's like he never left. Yeah. That was basically it. Well, we find out he's, he's engaged. We see his fiance. Yeah. That's that one. Yeah. Yeah. And we, who still, nobody calls him by name. I, I, I was very impressed that we never hear his name, and... It never really feels like they're they're bending over backwards to not say it. Well, I mean, yeah, they they do a good job of pointing out really how often do you say a person's name? We've Aside been talking for kids, an hour and a quarter, and have I said your name at all? Nope. Exactly. And I said our I said our names at the beginning of the show. Now I say my kids' names a lot. Uh, but that's because they don't pay attention. So you have exactly. To that's yeah. That's 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 giving commands that are being ignored. I yeah. say my dog's name a great deal. 
that, that's that's one of those things. But people don't you don't say you, people's names to them all that often in normal conversation, and they they do a good job of working that. Much like in Fight Club. You know, I I, I have to admit something shameful. I've What's never that? seen I've never seen Fight Club. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's that I'm surprised. I, I am too. <laughs> I'm I'm surprised. I thought you'd have seen Fight Club. No. Uh I you know, I I know the twist at the end, so which, you know, that was spoiled for me years ago. I guess I've just never felt a a, a, a compulsion to see it. I just always assumed it was about fighting and that really didn't interest me. And then I by the time I found out it was more than that, I had heard why it was more than that and <laughs> it was kinda like, Oh well, never mind. Yeah. That's just one of those things. Yeah. It's, do you know what? The Shine has worn off Fight Club over the years. It's still probably very good. I'm just not... It's not the big, exciting thing it once was. Hmm. Where were we then? Um, now, Many Happy Returns, that's the one where he yeah. goes back and there's some other... Another woman is... Or an old woman is living... An old woman. Just a woman is living in his house, but she takes him in and helps him out and gives him her ex-husband's clothes, and then it turns out she's working for the village anyway. Or, yeah. Was she number two? No, no, no. That wasn't, no. Um, no, it's not we actually have, listing a, a number two for that episode. That and actually, one. oh no, I'm not, no, that was episode. Oh wow, the Wikipedia has got the no, the episode numbers all askew. So I don't know. I know that episode ten, uh, which. Maybe that was the general. I don't know. I re- I remember noting that it wasn't until the tenth episode that they made any reference to anything that happened prior. Uh, I, I, w- I missed that. Then what was? The, do you remember what the reference was? Uh no. <laughs> I should have written it down because I uh, didn't even notice it. I must have missed, or it didn't trigger anything with me. Yeah, I. I it, it wasn't anything huge, but it was it was just like almost a Star Trek level of you remember last week when you like were playing chess or something like that, and you know be, because continuity really isn't there, there really isn't any in this no show, God in this no series. it's as if apart from the first and the last, every episode is the second episode, yeah, and you know while there are certainly some episodes where there are other prisoners. It's really hard to tell if everybody in if everybody in the village is just are just props designed, you know, to create the illusion of a population so that number six is caught kept off guard, or if this really is all of these people are are uh, you know secret agents and people with information that are being stored there rather than them just being killed, which would have happened in you know by modern spy movie standards now is just kill them and forget about them yeah i Um, i felt it was a mix of both like some people weren't real yeah which was the the uh the premise of checkmate where number six is trying to figure out who are prisoners and who are wardens yeah um but dance of the dead i'm i'm having trouble remembering that one number six comes across a body that was uh that has washed ashore with a radio after sending the body back out to sea, he tries to use the radio to get rescued. That's right. And he finds the, he finds the cave and he has a drink with, is that the one? Or 
I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we need a better episode description than we're yeah, because they they all kind of because there isn't really a through line. They they sort of blend together, except for a few that that really stand out. They really do, don't they? I'm having yeah. a lot of trouble distinguishing between episodes. Well, it's a lot of Patrick McGowan running around. Uh, a lot of him going up into the tower, going out onto the beach, going to his 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 uh, gymnasium out in the woods, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, then, I did. I, I found the gym in the woods a little amusing. Yeah, <laughs> I like how they covered the the uh, the 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 guy wires keeping the 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 bar up with vines. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> No vines in in this country. Oh, mind you, we we don't know where it was, do we? Could have no. been somewhere with vines. Yeah. Um, now, one thing I liked was the fight choreography, because usually fight choreography from this era, especially of this era of television, is abysmal. Yes. But this looked really... These looked like really real fights. Yeah, they did, didn't they? There yeah, were they- just a few occasions where I noticed, like, the stuntman's wig and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But other than that, no, that I, I, I agreed they were noticeably good for the time. Yeah. And, and a, a lot of times, you know, like you watch the Wild Wild West or, or Star Trek or a lot of those things where you've got one man fighting half a dozen people and it's, it's, they fight him one at a time and it's very friendly. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then he beats them all and then runs away. And, Just and remember this- that, kids. One man does not fight six people. Six people beat the crap out of one man. Yeah, in real life, <laughs> you, you if six people set you, you're gonna die. That's it. You can't <laughs> you can't fight them. It's not you're not Jackie Chan. Sorry, but I always believed it when when number six at least made them work hard for it. Yeah, um, yeah, it was good. And then uh, then we got hammer into anvil, which we've already talked about, where we get a new number two who just absolutely threatens McGowan and I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna break you and then number six spends the rest of the episode absolutely crushing him uh, yeah making him crazy love that one that that yeah. yeah that's my favorite one I think um it's your funeral now I've got it's your funeral mixed up with hammer into anvil now, It's Your Funeral was one that was kind of, it was convoluted and didn't really need it to be. It's where they they pretended that there was going to be a, a, there was a plot against number two, uh, that they were going to blow up a cuckoo clock, and the girl had uh, number six meet with her father, at, like there was an underground, and the whole point of the episode was to get number six to actually warn number two that they were going to kill him. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and the whole reason he did it was because it, he was believing that if number two was killed, then tons of villagers would be essentially taken out and shot for it. Uh, it, it was a little vague on, on the why of that one. Um, the whole thing was very odd. Yeah. But then that, th- again, that is every episode. True. True, but that one that one was a little was a little like okay, um, all right. But he you know he did did what he was going to do. Yeah. Uh, 
that was one of the most pointless sentences I've ever said in my life. <laughs> 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 he just did what he was going to do. All right. That's, uh, that's my mouth talking while I'm trying to read these synopsis of the next episode. <laughs> I suffer from that a great deal. Don't worry. <laughs> a change of mind after a brawl number six is declared unmutual and is made to Un- think that he has undergone instant social treatment. They do that, that to me after leaving little number twos everywhere. <laughs> yeah. That was the one with the pretend lobotomy, right? Yeah. Yeah. The sonic lobotomy. Yeah. Which, if you could do, I'd have done to myself years ago just by being too close to loudspeakers. <laughs> well, that's uh, more of a sonic puree, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I think my hearing in my right, right ear is going based on the music listening of my youth. In all seriousness, I, I thought I had a dodgy pair of earbuds because I had to, the, the right side was too quiet. And I've suddenly realized it's every pair of earbuds. Isn't that odd? Perhaps it's the ears that are hearing the earbuds. Oh, no. That's the problem. I don't know. It would make sense. It should go. If my hearing doesn't go a little bit, I've got super ears. And I haven't yeah. got super ears. Yeah, I'm rather surprised my hearing is as good as it is given the. Uh given my history as well. Um, I'm, I'm real good about using earplugs now in the shop. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now. Now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Change of mind. Oh, we just talked about that one. We uh, did. Do not forsake me, oh, my darling. Yeah, and, off- and that's the one where he switches brains, which that yeah. was, I, I, you know, I, now that I know that it was because Magoon had to go away for a while to do, to to film Ice Station Ice Station Zebra. Um, does it sound weird me saying Zebra? It does. Okay, it Ice does. Station Zebra. <laughs> um, but it just it when I realized where they were going with it, the mind swap. I was like, really? This show is going there. I mean, we I know we've done the 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 getting into people's dreams and and messing with this reality and stuff like that but but the whole switching minds from one body to another is so scooby-doo or uh or you know uh sean the sheep (laughs) yeah it it is bad isn't it i do you know what i struggled to start watching that episode because i obviously read the synopsis and it's like oh this isn't going to be good but once i was into it i kind of enjoyed it Apart from his long drive to Austria on a milk crate. <laughs> yeah. No, this is the one where we see his fiance, Because that was the part of it. He, he's, he's like, all right, I'm going to tell you stuff that only I would know or only he would know. Or, or, and and she, fi- she buys it and she helps him. Yes. I, yes. Okay. Yes. And then, and then we find the doctor, the scientist who's creating the doomsday bomb. That seems to be, they seem to be hinting at that's what number six knows and isn't talking about. And yet, I, I, yeah, I kind of got the feeling that that was just something else that they knew he knew. He, oh, uh, no, okay. They knew he knew. They, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so they kind of just, that was a bonus thing. I, I could be wrong, but that was, that was the impression I got. Yeah, and then I, I really liked that he, he he screwed up at the end and revealed that he was actually really in his own body after the, the scientist steals the other guy's body. And then number number two kind of, so, 
how's your wife doing? Oh, I can't wait to see her again. And like, she's been dead for a year, dumbass. Get out of the helicopter. <laughs> yeah. They couldn't call the helicopter back or anything. It was like, no, he's got away now. He got to the helicopter. That counts. Yeah, even though he'd been in the helicopter before and they remote controlled it back to the to the yeah. village. Yeah. It's the end of it's the end of Star Wars. Now the rebels have blown up the Death Star, that means we have to stop the whole empire. They've <laughs> yeah. won now. Just like this. He got to the helicopter, that counts as escape. That that's the outpost. Yep. That's what that is. Um Now we get weird. <laughs> yeah, we do. I I I've do you know what I've I've experimented with a lot of things in my life, but I've never imbibed whatever it was he was taking when he wrote these. Yeah. Now I think you liked Living in Harmony more than I did. I didn't like it at all. Oh, okay. I, I thought you indicated earlier that you didn't mind it. I I sat there the whole time going, "Are you fucking shitting me?" Yeah. I I, I wish I had a, a camera on my face as I was watching that episode. Uh, the, now Living in Harmony. It starts off with an Old West version of the opening of him riding a horse into town, going into the sheriff, the marshal's office, and throwing his gun and sheriff's badge on the table, and and then riding and walking away with his saddle on his shoulder. Um, and then the whole thing is just the most cliched, stereotypical spaghetti western you've ever seen in your life. Uh, although I'll gi- I got to give McGowan credit. Granted, his his lines were rarely more than a few words long, but he did a pretty passable American accent. Uh, although he did slip and say "can't" once. <laughs> did he? Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I guess everybody else in the in the show were were English as well, and they they did a. a, a there was only one guy. And that was the one who said, you know, the horse is $5,000. I was like, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll let you have that one. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with any of the accents. I just, the thing was so silly. It, yeah, and you'll never hit the accent low of the Russian guard in the living daylights. That's the lowest point of English actors doing foreign accents. <laughs> Go and watch James Bond, The Living Daylights, people. Wait for the bit where they're captured by the Russians in Afghanistan and taken to the prison. It's the little fat prison guard. Worst accent in any film ever. Ever. That's, is, that the, is that the one with the invisible car? No, that's, uh, that's Die Another Day. Oh, okay. Living Daylights was the first Timothy Dalton one. Came out in 86, the first one I saw in the cinema. 86 that long ago yeah holy shit yeah yeah spy who loved me was the first one i saw in in the theaters yeah we're all really old now <laughs> i'm 36 in a, like a week or two i know i know there's some people out there listening just going oh i'd love to be 36 again yeah well i'm on the going You're talking to bit. one of them damn it yeah <laughs> honestly i'm old enough now to be with you on this not wanting to get any older thing. I, yeah. I get it now. I get that I will get older and eventually, you know, so I want to get off and just, I'm, what I really want for my 36th birthday is my 35th birthday. That's, that would do me. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to be disappointed again because I didn't get my 34th birthday last year either. <laughs> you're, you're familiar with Benny Hill, I would imagine. 
He, I, I, he kind of a bit. Really? He wasn't as unavoidable to y'all as he was to us over here? They never oh. play it here. Oh, okay. There's, there's one bit he did that stuck with me. Uh, it's one of his songs. Uh, and it was, uh, it, it, it's just a, the, the, the refrain is, please, can I go around again? You give darn short rides on this playground, oh Lord, please, can I go around again? And it's a, you know, it starts off with a kid going on a merry-go-round, and then he, he, he sings about the guy's whole life. And it's, it was just one of those rare, poignant moments in Benny Hill, and that song has just been echoing in my mind for the last decade. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, let's move anyway, on. The girl, who was death. the girl who was deaf. Um, this one it's, was just stupid. It's so worth it just through his disguise. That that was the greatest <laughs> thing you've ever seen in your entire life. Actually, it wasn't stupid until they got to the lighthouse, and then it just got. It and, was stupid. They, Why they did just, he have? Oh, he had yeah. the beard and mustache whisker thing, and the shell, the deer stalker, and the. <laughs> no, did you see him walking past other people on the street dressed like that? No. He no. would have looked as stupid in 1968 as he would today dressed like that. Well, you, you know what was the most unbelievable part of that for me? Is that the bartender kept giving him those shots. <laughs> no, you know, they'll the do that. They'll, they'll just let you drink yourself to death right in front of them? If, if they realize that that's what they, you're doing, there comes a point where you want to see it happen. I, think. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, both living in harmony and the girl who was death, they justify these ludicrous plots at the end by by saying that, you know, that one one was the the imposed dream and the other was him telling kids a story. Yeah. But it's still, you know, everybody being Napoleon and and the backwards shooting guns and the lighthouse is a rocket. Uh, it just, uh, I was like, what the, f- oh man. <laughs> it was a bedtime story. Yeah. That, that's all. I, and it, it was, yeah, weird. I, there was a, a, a comment, because <laughs> I, I watched all of these on YouTube. Right. There was a, there was a con- the, 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 yeah, never mind. I'll, I'll say, tell you that when we're not recording anymore. <laughs> um, you know, I watched all of them on YouTube and I, I don't, I generally avoid YouTube comments when I, if I can at all. And for this one, some for some reason, I, I must have hit the scroll wheel or something, and I dropped down, and this one comment said, you know what the real horror of this episode is, that there's kids in the village. That's very true. <laughs> and, and I was like, son of a bitch, you're right. Yeah, um, that's, that's fucked up. Yeah. Never occurred to me. Um, but, I, I, yeah, that's just horrifying now. I'm quite... No, I'm quite chilled by it now. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Very dark, actually. Yeah. But I will say the 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 girl who played Josephine uh, or Death, whichever, it was gorgeous. Um, yeah. She was absolutely stunning. Um. Then we get to what I think is one of, if not the best episode of the entire series, and that's Once Upon a Time. Yes. I I think that one was you know, if they had ended on that one, I would have been fine with it. Right. Um Leo McKern comes back as number two. He's given a second chance, and they go into a, a, a sort of a, a dungeon and he's got he says, I've got a week. One of us is not walking out of here. 
uh, unless you tell me what I, you know, what we need to know. And then he spends the week just absolutely fucking with number six and making him relive almost his entire life. Uh, and then at the end, he, he, he fails and he dies. He does in a very dramatic scene. Yeah. It's, it's a damn odd episode. It is. It's so very, very odd. Um, you've got to be really on board with the whole thing, I think. But I, I do see what you're saying. If it's just the performances of McKern and McGowan in that one are, are why it works so well. Because the whole thing is nothing but insanity. But they so absolutely commit to it. And they they portray this craziness. There's that scene with the with their fencing. And uh, a lot of the, the, the little documentaries I watched, that scene kind of got played a few times. So I saw that that bit. Uh, and it's just... McKern is, is relentless. And it, it's very much... It, I don't want to say it echoes because it came before, but the whole thing of Darth Vader going, you know, you know, use your anger, strike me down, is an echo of that. Where where number two is like, you know, go ahead, kill me. You can't do it. You haven't got the guts to do it. And you know, trying to push him to break him out of his absolute moral code in an attempt to, you know, maybe if you will try to kill me, or maybe if you kill me. Uh, because I'm dead anyway, unless you talk. Maybe if you kill me, you will you will finally break, and we'll get what we need out of you. It, it just it, it floored me. It blew me away. Um, I, I thought it was marvelous. I I completely agree with you. I I don't have anything to add, unfortunately. <laughs> You've summed it up perfectly. But this is also the one where I decided that the the dwarf butler was number one. Because he's in every episode, just about, and he's always walk. He's always watching. He's always, you know, he's always being abused by number two. So I, I never thought that number two knew who he was, uh, any of the number twos. And I can't remember if they were ever talking to number one while the dwarf was in the room. Probably, but that wouldn't be hard to fake either. But it just really seemed to me like he was, he was there all the time, and in his position as the butler was ignored all the time. And I think it, it would have been perfect for him to be number one if they were going to show us, you know, you know. Hmm. I, I think. Well, I mean, we're going to inevitably just talk about the next episode here and who is number one and all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when in this aired, his house was stormed by the public. Apparently. Can I read I, you a quote from McGowan? By all means. When uh, this the, in in the TV tropes, there's a thing called a Gynax ending, which I guess is named after uh, a uh, they named the trope after a, an anime that I guess had a really fucked up ending. And the the start of the entry on Gynax ending is a quote from McGowan. I wanted controversy, arguments, fights, discussions, people in anger waving fists in my face, saying, "How dare you!" On the intentionally confusing ending he created for this show. Why would you do that? Well, why, why would you want that? I don't know. The prevailing—I uh, don't want to say mythology, but you know, because finding out anything for sure about what happened with this show is difficult. There's a lot of different 
takes on what happened. But it seems like there was supposed to be a second season, even though McGowan didn't want to do more than 17 episodes. And then suddenly out of the blue, the show got canceled after they had done uh, uh, Once Upon a Time. And legend hath it that McGowan wrote Fallout. uh, Is that the name of the episode? Fallout? Yeah. Yeah, Fallout. Um, In a weekend. He wrote it in one weekend, and they didn't change anything. There were a couple of scenes that were cut for time, but for the most part, it's how it was written. Although he did ask the guy that was the the president or the the, you know the 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 dude in the white wig uh, had him write some of his own dialogue, but he it, apparently he wrote this episode in like three days. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. No, me either. <laughs> um, and but the fact that he just decided, you know, I don't know if it was spite or uh, or whether he was trying to be controversial or whether he was just like, you know what, you guys have made me do more of this show than I ever wanted to, so I'm gonna fuck all of you with this. Um, but it was, you know, I, I grew up watching the freaking Wizard of Oz, you know, so I'm used to weird shit and Fallout doesn't even begin to approach weird so much as, as it's just, it makes no sense. It it was almost the televisual equivalent of utter gibberish. Yeah. That that's and, kind of what it was. It got carry on. Sorry. Well, no, I'm 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 just you know I I uh, uh, again had that look on my face of what <laughs> for, yeah. for the whole episode. That just so much. Are you fucking kidding me? What what the hell is this? Just tell us who number one is. Um, even that moment when he apparently meets number one, but even that's just you realize bullshit. Yeah, that's not the number one. I I I think he's is I I I remember reading something that he said about he, the point is is that you know he, each man is his own prisoner, and is anyone really truly free? He is number one, but then we're all our own number one, and it's all that sort of thing. And you're kind of left with the, I mean, right the very last shot where his own front door opens and closes with the same mechanical sound as his house in the village. You're mm-hmm. kind of left feeling he's never really free. Did he ever actually really leave the village? You know, the, the, even in the last episode where they're suddenly driving down the A20 just outside London. Um, it makes no sense. None of it makes any sense. And it's as if it was just purposely written to just fuck with you for no good reason yeah and i i got the impression that because they were able to drive to london from the village it wasn't that far away from london and nobody noticed an icbm being launched from about 20 miles outside of london (laughs) yeah and it's it's just so weird and what was the point of the rocket it didn't seem to do anything nobody seemed to care uh I mean, are we supposed to think, Did he? was he ever even in the village? Is the whole thing just some sort of fever dream? I, I like ambiguity, but this was too much of it. It was a bit much, wasn't it? Yeah. That's, and, that's and it, the best way of putting it. It took too long to go nowhere, too. Yeah. This was the only episode that really felt like it dragged. 
The, the the amount of time they spend chasing the guy around the room when he's singing. Yeah. <laughs> and all that stuff. It's just like, that you, you're still waiting in anticipation that you're going to just see a person and it will be number one. And you'll go, oh. But, because you, you don't know it's going nowhere. And so for the entire episode, you've got that apprehension of, shut up and get on with it and tell me who number one is. And so everything that they... I think if I watched it a second time, because I know I'm not going to get given what I want, it won't seem as tedious. Yeah. But then I'm kind of too angry at it right now to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I remember you, you you sent me a message. Like, if Patrick McGoon was alive today, I'd go to his house and throttle him. <laughs> yeah, it was... Because I'd... You know, you watch it, and you're like, what the fuck? You straight onto Wikipedia. People stormed his house. If I'd watched that live, I would have stormed his house. It's like, what are you doing? I will shake you until you make a better ending. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, well, I, I, well, I, I guess it, it's kind of, maybe I was resigned to it uh, because the show is, what, 40 years old? So, you know, what are you going to do about it, I guess? I, I wasn't so much angry as just puzzled that mm. uh, you know uh, uh, like i said at the beginning of the uh, of the show tonight how and why this show is such a, a a cultural icon still kind of eludes me i mean i i went looking for more about the history of the show and found fan clubs and conventions and magazines and and novels and stuff i mean it's it's an interesting universe it's certainly rife for more stories but is it really that phenomenal compared to anything else that's happened in the intervening almost half a century i i think it was very unique at the time and it was the first of a, a few things it, it's it's also got a few iconic lines of dialogue um that have kind of worked their way down it also doesn't help hurt if you're in the simpsons yeah, that's true. I, I you know uh, all that uh, stuff. Kevin from Atomic Trivia War Nine Thousand mentioned that uh, that The Simpsons was did did a bit on it, and I went on I went onto YouTube, and it's it, the video that's on YouTube is you know somebody pointing a camcorder at at their computer screen, but you could still they even used the music as Marge is being chased by the by the rover and stuff, which is it was kind of cool. Another uh, TV theme tune performed by Vic Flick. On the guitar. Ah. You know his guitar work from the James Bond theme tune. And, oh, okay. Uh, pretty much anything featuring a guitar in television or film from the early 1950s up until last week. <laughs> Basically. You know, what, what's, what stands out to me more is, is the, the, the bongos. The bongo work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that whole opening, the, the music has been playing in my head for the last week or two. Mm-hmm. It, it's quite a, a catchy theme tune. I like it. I'm going to have to learn to play it on the guitar. Mm-hmm. One other interesting thing about the music, uh, you know, the, the, the Beatles, All You Need Is Love is used in, in Fallout. Yeah. That I'm is always, of- I, I'm always amazed by Beatles music in TV shows. Well, it's very rare that uh, it's not as rare for a Beatles tune to show up, but for an actual Beatles recording, is is virtually unheard of. That was one of the very few times that the Beatles allowed their recording of one of their songs to be used in a TV show. Yeah. 
And apparently they approached Magoon about uh, they wanted to do their version of, oh, and what film was it now? I'm blanking. Um, oh, they, they wanted to do, and I got to look it up. Uh, um, they they wanted to do their own version of something that it was like the Beatles wanted to do this movie, and they they wanted McGowan to direct it. I want to say it was, uh, meant no. Uh, oh, they wanted to do a movie version of the Prisoner, and they wanted McGowan. And no, that's not what I was thinking of. Um. Well, anyway. Uh, yeah, maybe they did want to do a, a. Wow, this is riveting, isn't it? As I look shit up on the internet, I'll cut it all. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, never mind that. Anyway, the the the, the Beatles really liked McGowan and they liked the Prisoner, and that's why they let him use their music for for that show. Cool, but yeah, it was very and such a choice of was it all you need is love as he's gunning down forty people with a machine gun. Yeah. <laughs> Very quite fucked up, to be honest. Uh, just one of those things. But then the whole thing was weird. The whole thing was so weird. Why did number two go into the Houses of Parliament at the end? What was that about? Well, what I, was the... Yeah, and and the fact that number two was dead, and they, they resurrected him and gave him a shave and a haircut at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so much um, odd stuff. Yeah. I feel I feel like we're still missing things. Port Marion, the place they filmed it. It's a real place, everyone. You can go there. Don't take your dog. They don't let dogs in. I'm oh. bitter about that, because that's the only reason why I haven't been to Port Marion. I've driven past Port Marion on holiday a number of times, but I've never been there because they wouldn't let the dog in. Huh. It, it's in England? It's in Wales. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, it's about three and a half hours from where I'm sat right now this minute. If I left now, I could be there by five. Wow. Um, as long as I didn't take the dog. Um, we've never been anywhere <laughs> where an entire village doesn't allow a dog in, but there you go. Um, it's real. It looks like that. It's a crazy place. Huh. It really is. If you ever come to England and we get together, we'll go down there and film ourselves running around on the beach. It'd be great fun. <laughs> I'll have to bring a big white balloon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's there. That was, and that the place is only given credit in the last episode. Yeah. Because I, they I didn't understand. want people to know where it was. Yeah. Yeah. That was by their request. They didn't want anyone, they didn't want folks storming there. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've really barely touched on, on the show. There's a lot to it. It's, it's really worth watching. Um, you know, even for all the weirdness and even for the, the, the less than satisfying ending, um, it, it, it's, you really need to see it. If you're, if you're a science fiction fan or even a, 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 a Bond fan or something like that, um, I, it, it is, it, it's a, it's a cultural touchstone and I'm going to be looking for references to it that I will have missed over the past 30 years. Uh, for example, I now, I now get it, uh, Bester on Babylon 5 at one point does the little kind of okay sign over the eye and says, be seeing you. Really? Yeah. I, I never knew that. Now I have to go back and find that episode and, and watch it because now I'll get it. Cause I remember thinking that that seems like there might be some significance to it, but it didn't mean anything to me. 
Right. Um, you know, why would he say be seeing you when, of course, he's going to be there for the whole episode? But uh, Well, all television will become clear now. I'm going to do the same thing. <laughs> I'm going to find that uh, Simpsons episode as well. I think, I seem to remember it just being quite a short little, oh no. It's the one where Homer's Mr. X and he's doing lots of internet stuff. That's the one. Uh, I remember it. I've not even read that. That's terrible. I have an <laughs> almost encyclopedic knowledge of The Simpsons. It's not right. I, I'm really bad about that. I stopped watching, I think, probably after about maybe year six or seven. Um, you, yeah. you only missed two, three seasons of good stuff. Yeah, that's what I've heard. That's kind of like South Park. I stopped watching it after the fourth season, I think. And, uh, and I'm, I'm just amazed it's still on the air. It's still okay, but it's a long way from where it started. Yeah. I think that's got to be it for this show, I think, then. I think we've, yeah, I think we've, we've certainly done our best to, uh, to encapsulate this really weird show. Uh, you know, it came, it, 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 we think of the 60s and 70s as a very psychedelic era, but if you look at TV from the late 60s and the early 70s, it was still very uh, conservative and traditional. And this show just really steps outside those boundaries. I think maybe I'm answering my own questions as to why this show is still being talked about. Um, it, it certainly must have been... Uh, maybe people tuned in for the, uh, what are they going to do this week? You know, or are they really doing this? Which, granted, you know that that uh, that bar was pretty low in the '60s. You know, hello, cat. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was my my cat just jumped up on the desk. She's all oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a needy creature. That's uh, for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and dogs. So. So what I shall will we watch next? this again. Uh, what, well, is there anything you want to do in particular? Uh, well, I was thinking maybe uh, Space 1999. Okay. okay. Uh, did you have anything in mind? or? Uh... No, I'm happy to do that. Okay. I'm just so looking I... where I can find a copy of it now. Yeah, I haven't looked um, to see it. I would assume you know it's at the very least on, you- on YouTube. Um, actually, yeah, I know it's on YouTube because I watched a, a couple of episodes a couple of years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, season one, yeah, you know, season two kind of gets really weird. But uh, okay, we will give this a go. Space nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, have you ever watched it? No, no ah, I okay. don't know anything about it. This was um, this was one that was I I really enjoyed as a kid, um, and uh, I don't know whether I'll still enjoy it or not. I know that uh, Barbara Bain who plays Dr. Helena Russell, who is kind of the, it's she and, and uh, Martin Landau are the, are the leads and they were married. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, she was one of my very first celebrity crushes. It only lasted about a day, but I remember it was like, Oh, she's so beautiful. And, and then I, I realized many, many years later that no, she reminded me very much of my mother. And that was kind of a creepy edible moment that I, <laughs> I'm glad didn't last long. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, the, the the twisted psychology of the of the burgeoning youth. Um, yes, Space well, nineteen ninety nine. Well, I will get on this. I found it. 
Cool. 24 episodes. Okay. Oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. Okay, well, thank you for listening, everybody. We'll be back after we've watched season one of Space 1999. It's not, this can't be weekly. We, we're, no. we are but human. <laughs> and, uh, God, even if, even if we, this was my only job, and I, when I say this, I mean this show, I would have trouble doing that. Sitting through, spending the next week sitting, watching 24 episodes of a show just to talk about it. That would be hard. Yeah. But we'll be yeah. back when we're back. And yeah. it won't I be think too long. Yeah, I think we're doing a, a pretty good pace on this. <coughs> you know? mm. And any any more, and I, I think we, we might find it difficult to enjoy what we're doing. And that, that would kind of take the, take the... That would negate doing the thing. <laughs> yes. It's a big show as well, you know. We're, we're approaching two hours. And I know I'm going to cut and edit and stuff like that, but... I think we're still, still going to be around one one thirty one one forty something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there we go. Right then, we'll be back when we're back. Bye bye, everybody. Bye bye. Be seeing you. <laughs> Wish be I thought seeing to say you. That <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>